take your Bibles for a few minutes, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We are going to be, we're on a series on this month about money. And uh, the, the Lord really kind of rebuked me, actually, while I was on a cruise this past year, and uh, just a couple months ago, and the Lord spoke to my heart very strongly, actually, it was early in the morning, and he said this to me, which shocked me. He said, Ray, you are robbing my people. I mean, just out of the blue. I didn't hear an audible voice, but in my spirit, just, it startled me. You are robbing my people. And I said, what do you mean, Lord? He says, you're not teaching them. You're not bringing the word so they can be free. I said, what, what, what am I, what am I missing, Lord? I'm teaching on the area of vision and purpose and the the kingdom and the local church that says, yes, but you have not touched on the area of money because you're afraid of it. That's what God spoke to my heart. He said, you're afraid of it. And I said, what? what do you mean I'm afraid of it? He says, you're afraid of it because you're afraid they're going to leave. And this is what the Lord says. If they leave, let them go. You are to bring the word. How many of you know that Jesus said things that at times people left? How many of you remember the story, one of the stories in the Bible about the parable, not the parable, but when the rich young ruler came, he was rich, young, and he was a very astute, very uh, polished young man, knew he was a man who understood the laws, uh, the Jewish laws, and he says, Lord, all my life I've kept the commandments, and what must I do to inherit and come into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, obey the commandments. And he says, well, I got that down. Then Jesus said, if you will be perfect or mature, go sell all you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. And the Bible says this, that when the young man heard that, it says that he became sorrowful. Notice what the message produced. It became sorrowful and he went away. And it says, because he had much riches. How many of you know that God never intended that money should master you? We need to master money instead of money mastering us. Now, I want to give you some real important thoughts when we talk about money. God never intended, and I know in the church, that's just, an, I'm not referring to our church only, but even around the world, usually when we deal with this subject, there is this kind of a nagging thought in some, not in everyone, that the pastors and the leaders are just out for more money so they can buy a bigger Cadillac or maybe do their own project. Well, that's, that's really a sad thought. And I do believe ministries need to live within their means. And I do believe ministries uh, need uh, to, they, by the way, let, just to let you know this, I will stand before the Lord along with our elders. We will stand before the Lord. The Bible teaches us in Peter, the greater damnation will stand or will come upon us for how we steward money in the kingdom. It won't come on you. It will come on us because we're to steward what is given. It, it, is a, it is a very serious situation. 
And I do know there's been pastors that kind of skim and leaders and they kind of build their little lifestyle and uh, all for the kingdom, they say. That, that's a dangerous thing when you begin to uh, abuse and you do not take into consideration what God has placed you in this position for. So there's a lot of, of doubt. There's a lot of concern on that area. But I want you to think about something. In the New Testament, just to let you know how much it's talked about, do you know that one in every four verses of the four Gospels talks about money? 16 out of 38 parables that Jesus taught was about money. Was Jesus after money? No. I remember one young man came to me and said, Pastor Ray, are you really after money? And I said, no. I don't even need your money. Yeah, right. Just let me stop tithing a little, we'll see how bad you sweat. And I said, no, it's not. I don't need your money. What I'm after is your heart. Let me tell you, God doesn't need your money either. How many of you know that the earth is already the Lord's and the fullness thereof? The earth belongs to him already. You may say, well, why in the world would he ever need my money? I, by the way, folks, how many of you remember my testimony two weeks ago about my 40-cent tie to the Lord when I was 11-year-old? Thank God for parents, my mother, who taught me to tithe when I was 11 years old. And I'm going to tell you, the first thing that I went through, which I never brought up, when, when my mother came in with that piggy bank, and I'll never forget looking at those $4 on my bed. And I was thinking, wow, I've hit the jackpot. I've made $4 for mowing my grandmother's lawn. My mother walks into the bedroom. The first time I had ever made a dime. And she says, Ray, guess where that money came from? And you know what I said? It came from me. I'm the one who mowed the lawn. I'm the one who earned it. She says, well, who gave you the body to do it? Where are you going, Mom? Where are you going with this one? And I said, well, I, you know, I, I, I guess God. Yeah, God gave you the eyes. He gave you the muscle. He gave you the feet. He gave you the uh, legs. He gave you the stomach. He gave you the breath. He gave everything to you. Okay, big deal. Okay, he gave me, I went out, I worked, I sweated, and I earned it. Let me tell you the problem with money. See, money, we get attached to money, don't we? We get emotionally attached. We get so emotionally attached to money, in fact, it becomes our label. It becomes something that begins to define our value and our status. There are people today that believe they're important because they have money. If I could just have money, I could buy more. If I could buy more, I have more. Then look at me. Look what I look what I have done, and look how hard I have worked. It's I, me. When my mother came in that bedroom that day, the first thing that I began to go through was a mental battle. Everyone say battle. Anytime God begins to take you to a new level, your mind is going to combat and fight. It because, now listen, it is a mystery. Giving is a mystery. Giving is not something that makes sense. In fact, if you go back and we study the concept of worship in the Old and the New Testament, you will find that giving 
or offerings were to be connected with worship. You never came before the Lord with empty hands. Never. You always brought an offering. Why does God need my offering? Oh, let me tell you. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need your rams, your lambs. He doesn't even need your first fruits. He doesn't need your tithe. He's not worried because you don't give him a tithe. He's not worried about that because it already belongs to him anyway. Giving's not for him, it's for you. But I didn't know that. So I went through a mental problem. Today in America, we have what I call is the American mindset that is mixed with a kingdom theology and it doesn't work. When, you know, we have this idea that I'm an American and in our government, it's of and for and by the people. And so I have a right to kind of tell God what I think I should do with my money. Because in this government, in a republic, my voice counts. But in the kingdom of God, folks, I want to tell you something. Your voice doesn't count. There's only one that counts, and that's Jesus. Jesus made this comment throughout his, his life. He says, I do nothing I say nothing except what my father tells me to say. That's what he said. How many here claim to be a follower of Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, you think, you speak, and you do what he says. That's what what a follower is. Now, here's the thing. If you heard that wrong, then you probably thought, wow, what a dictator God is. No, he's not a dictator. You have to come to know him before you will ever follow him. If you don't know how good he is and how great he is, you will chafe in your obedience to him. There is a reason why when it comes to the subject of giving, it becomes a sacrifice. Everyone say sacrifice. In fact, giving is not giving unless it actually comes and becomes a sacrifice. There's many today that give out of their abundance. They give because they can. But when you begin to give out of your poverty or out of your lack, that is what is pleasing in the sight of God. A very powerful picture in the book of Luke 9 where Jesus sat by the treasury and there's a widow that comes and gives all that she can. Two mites, a half of a cent. And it's interesting, she... Jesus says, hey, hey, disciples, come, come over here. Come here. See this woman? See this woman coming in? She's given more than all of them. Jesus cared about what she gave, and Jesus saw how she did it. I want you to hear. I've, I've heard so many people, God doesn't care how you give and what you give. All, all he cares about is what, what he knows my heart's right. I've even had some people say, you know, I don't need to tithe the tenth. I kind of tithe my time. I'll tithe my gift to God. I'll tithe, I'll tithe my uh, um, dog. I'll tithe my hog. I'll, I'll tithe, I'll, I'll just kind of make up something that I want to Folks, in the kingdom, you don't come to God and tell God how you're going to tithe. Now, I'm giving you a lot of stuff real, really quick. When, in the kingdom, we come on the basis of what he says. That's just... That is so foundational, even in our core values. What does God say about it? 
Amen? It's hermeneutical as well. Another thing about this concept of giving is that um, there's the sacrifice about it. But when I begin to, to give to God and when I begin to move into the concept of giving, I begin to encounter Jesus in a way that I've never known unless I've really understood giving. Because God, God wants you to understand him. I want to say something just also about this church. You folks are a tremendously giving church. Many of you are tithing. Many of you are giving and obeying God right now. Many of you. You understand the principle. You've been consistent. And uh, uh, I've seen the blessing and the hand of God on your life. By the way, giving is not an insurance or a fire insurance policy either. Giving and tithing doesn't mean that uh, all of a sudden uh, a bunch of uh, uh, major positive things will happen. Now, the Bible does say that he will break the curse. And we're going to get into that in in a couple of weeks on this, what that actually means. But I want to take you into Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at some scriptures this morning. Matthew 6, it's verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, Jesus here is talking about our focus. Don't focus on treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's, he's talking about investments. Investing in heavenly things where neither moth nor rust corrupts or destroys, where these can break in. Then he says this, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So one of the most important things I appreciate about my mother when I was 11, when I made that $4, she said, Ray, I want to help you to experience the blessing and the favor of God for the rest of your life. And I thought, well, I thought favor came by just me working harder. Making more money. Because my focus, even as an 11-year-old, do you know what? When a kid makes money, guess what? They want to keep making money. How many of you ever run that with your own kids? I mean, they just love the money. Because you know what? What that means is buying power. Status. It means a lot. Money has a way of actually even warping your mind. It can deceive you. But Jesus says, we've got to be careful. Notice what he says. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. God's after the heart. Now jump down with me to verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other and you cannot serve God or mammon or the love for money. What Jesus is saying here is powerful. That your love for money will separate you from your love from God. If you have a love for God and your priorities are healthy, then money will never master you. But he said, your love for the world, your love for treasures will create an idea or an attitude where where you will begin to despise God. And here's the reason why. It's because when it comes down to giving or tithing, The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, and I want you to jump over there right now with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Why is 
why is this such a challenge in the minds of people? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, one of the reasons why this is, is because it is foolishness to the natural mind. Now, I want you to hear what Paul says about hidden mysteries. Giving is a mystery. And here's why. You can't give to God and use a calculator. I believe in calculators. How many here believe in a calculator? How many accountants? You know, it's important. Calculators are important. When you begin to deduct and you begin to pay your bills and you begin to look at your cash flow and what's going out, it's important to use a calculator. But when it comes to giving the way God says, it will not work. It is foolishness. You cannot mix those two. Because God will ask you to trust him in areas that are completely foolish to you. Amen? He will do it. How many, let me give you just a few examples. How many of you know that it never rained on earth during the times of Noah and God spoke to Noah to begin to build an ark? Guess where? In the middle of a desert. And you know, it took him 120 years. People were laughing, people were mocking. And I wonder if Noah ever had some doubts. God, did I really hear you? Here's another one. God asked Moses to go down and single-handedly bring an entire nation, Egypt, to its knees and to deliver the people out of Egypt. How many of you know that was foolishness to the natural mind? David one day came in during a a battle when the Israelites were confronting the, the Philistines and David had this relationship with the Lord and he comes in to Saul and says, I can take this giant out because I know, I know that I am a covenant young man and this our nation is covenanted with God from the Abrahamic covenant there's a covenant relationship and who are these uncircumcised Phil- David knew who he was that's why he had confidence in the victory that he would take but in the mind of Saul it was foolishness you cannot calculate you cannot process obedience with God through a calculator or even try to make sense with it. It doesn't make sense. It never will. Do you know I've been tithing for years? My wife and I tithe. We actually and give offerings as well. Nothing makes sense. But I will tell you something that does make sense. Carol and I have experienced amazing breakthroughs where God has blessed us in business and in ministry, but especially in business that blew my mind. And I want to share something right now with you, a short testimony, true story. Several years ago, we, had, I was, we were just married, our second year of marriage, and there was a brother by, by the name of uh, Brother uh, Kenneth Stracy. He came to our church, and he was, he's a prophetic fella, ministering the word, and then he said, I want all the men, I want all the men, I don't know why he said that, but he says, all the men out there that are the breadwinners in the home, I want you to stand to your feet. This was at the end of his message. And so I got to my feet. I thought he was going to honor the men. 
Well, he wasn't going to honor them in the way I thought he was going to. He says, God spoke to me that every man in this church is to give $3,000 to the building project here at Bible Temple. Right then, I started to sink. And I'm thinking, this guy trapped me. It's a trap. Is that right, Carol? We were standing there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm holding on to Carol's hand. I said, this Oh, I do not like this guy. He's got us up and we're all, I'm thinking about God, that he was going to give a powerful word to the men of the church. So he says, God spoke to me that every one of you to give $3,000 and God will open the windows of heaven about you and all this kind of a thing. I didn't hear any of the promises. I just thought, wow, what a trick. What a trap. I'm not kidding. That's the way I thought. Well, I stood and while I was standing there, we went home and we did not talk about this. I was not happy because I felt that was a trap. Well, I was struggling. I, I was in business working for my dad. At that time, I was making $4.25 an hour as a carpenter's help, helper. My wife was making more money than I. But at that time, I couldn't understand what to do. And I went home and I begin to say, Lord, I, I know that you planted me in this church. I know Brother Dick is my pastor. Why would Pastor Iverson bring this Looney Tune money grabbing prophet, have a stand and embarrass us and trap us into giving money? I mean, that's, that was my heart. And the Lord said, if you believe, Ray, if you would believe the prophets you would prosper. And then I remember reading a little passage in the book of 2 Kings about Elijah. Elijah one day during a three and a half year famine when Ahab was king, God sent Elijah to a widow at Zarephath. She wasn't even an Israelite. She was a, she was a Gentile woman. And Jesus, or the Lord spoke to Elijah to go to this widow, widow during this fast. Cattle were dying. People were dying. It was a famine throughout the land. Elijah comes to this widow. And the Bible says she had a corn of meal, just some wheat in her hand, just in her hand, and a little jar of oil. And this was her confession to the prophet. He says, when Elijah came in, he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm going to take the corn of meal with the oil. I'm going to bake one cake. And me and my son are going to eat it. After we eat it, we're going to die. It's the end. The prophet comes and he says, don't do that. Give me first. Everyone say first. Now, this, 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 is, this is warfare. This, this is huge. How dare you take the last meal in oil for yourself, Elijah? He says, you give me first. Now, that, that just, just goes contrary. But all of this is all, this, this concept is all through Scripture. And so she does. She does what the prophet says. You read it. It's in 2 Kings. She, she gives him... I, no, I'm wrong. It's in 1 Kings. She gives him 
the, uh, the meal and the bread, and the prophet eats it. But then she goes back, and she sees this storehouse of meal and oil miraculously. And throughout the entire, it says through the entire famine, her and her son ate. And she had an, all that she had to eat because she, it wasn't about feeding the prophet. It was about trusting God. It was about putting God first. Everyone say first. first. Now this goes all the way into the New Testament. Some people th- don't think it's, a, but I want you to see something here. And I'm going to close because my time is gone. I'm going to have to take some of this next week. I want you to see something here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. We speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age. There is a wisdom of the world that processes information based upon facts and logic and reason. I only act on facts. But Paul says, the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to what? What's it say? How many of you got your Bible? How many got your, anybody reading their Bible this morning? Praise God. It says, the wisdom of this age and the rulers are coming to nothing. Now, in other words, their wisdom is not going to last But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Why is the wisdom of God a mystery? And he says, the hidden wisdom. Why is this? See, giving and tithing is hidden. It's not recognized. We don't understand it. In fact, we reject it. We question it, we rebel, we analyze, we criticize, we, we look at what God says and says, yeah, th- this is the way the natural man says, I can't afford, I can't afford to do what God wants me to do. I can't obey that, that's ridiculous. Paul says that's the wisdom of the age. It's wisdom based on natural understanding and facts. It doesn't calculate. Notice what Paul says this. This is, this is a powerful thing here. He says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for here. Here it is. For our what? Glory. How many of you want to experience God's glory? To experience God's glory means that I've got to embrace things that are hidden. Hidden that I don't understand. Do you know that sometimes God asks me to trust him and obey him? See, one of the ways you know you embrace hidden wisdom is you're obeying and trusting without understanding. That's why Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your... See, what I'm doing there is I'm trusting for the hidden. And how do I bring the hidden into revelation and the hidden mysteries into a reality, my world and my reality, is when I begin to walk out something that I don't understand. I'm obeying God. Lord, I don't get this. I want you to tell you, I'm going to tell you a short story. 
When my wife and I, we went back the next week, we had this commitment card at that time. I wrote my name. I will commit to this $3,000 that this prophet asked us to do. I committed to $3,000, as, as many others. Some of them didn't do it. When I committed that money, a 3000 we didn't have it. We were still saving to buy a house. We had $8,000, which took us a couple of years to save for that. And even I still had to borrow a 1000 or two from my parents. But I remember at the time, I wrote a commitment, 3000 We were tithing. This is over and above our tithes. An interesting thing began to happen within two months. I began to start a business. I, by the way, I had gone into unemployment and used not one, but two times. I, I'd gone through, exhausted one, I applied for a second. I was out of a job at the time, that's right. I was out of a job at the second time. And it was there at that time that being out of a job and yet making a $3,000 commitment did just seem absolutely foolish. When I say to you, I'm not exaggerating this, but within two months, doors begin to open for business. And within four years, making a long story short, within four years of that commitment, we paid that $3,000 off. But this was the funny thing. My wife and I took my parents out for dinner. I had paid our house off in Portland in four years. And my dad, I'll never forget my dad's reaction. He says, Ray, you're either not paying your taxes or you're selling drugs. What is it? I said, Dad, I want to tell you something. God's been blessing us. And let me tell you something. When the money started rolling in, I'll never forget the Holy Spirit begin to remind me. Remember, first, first, brain first, brain first, brain first, your $3,000 commitment. Oh, you don't know with a temptation to hold. Oh, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to go out and buy a Toyota Celica. In fact, I did. Took it back the next weekend. Buyer's remorse. I'll I'll never forget. I I started making money. And the Lord reminded me, you know why you're making it and getting it? It's because you made a commitment. And I'm watching to see if you're going to be faithful or are you going to steal what I'm giving you? But I'm so grateful for a mother who taught me at 11 to tithe my $4 and give my 40 cents. And by the way, I had some real bad attitude. I didn't understand it. It was child abuse. But I'm thankful for my mother who did it because God has blessed me all my life. Short-term pain brings long-term gain. Parents, teach your children to tithe. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. Teach them to bring all the tithe into the storehouse, not to a mission field, not here, not to some charity. It says bring all the tithe into the store. If this is not your storehouse, find your storehouse. The Bible tells you how to give, what to give, and where to give. It's not an American mindset thing. Really important about how many of you get what I'm saying here? By the way, the giving is not about the money. Because when you begin to give, God begins to open your eyes in three areas. Number one, 
you're going to discover this. Giving is not an obligation. Giving is a gift. God doesn't ask you to give because he wants you to give, because he wants to suffer, have you suffer, or build character in you. That's not his... Giving is a gift. You know what happened to me? I got addicted to giving. I did. My wife actually said, Ray, I know you like to give a lot, but let's slow down. Because the more we gave, the more doors... You know what it's all about? God wants to entrust you with more, but he's going to watch you do... He's going to watch what you do with what you have. The second thing about giving and sacrifice is sacrifice in giving prepares you for an encounter. Every time Israel brought an offering and they offered it on the altar, there was an encounter with God. Giving prepares you for an encounter. And the third thing about blessing or uh, about giving is that giving prepares you for promotion. If God can trust you with little... He's preparing you for more. How many of you would like to see more? He's watching what you do with what you have. And if you're selfish, if you're rational, you're going to miss it. You can't bring your calculator to church and say, you know, God, I believe you would rather, I believe you would rather, wouldn't you, God, rather have me keep my credit good? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know God will ask you to do the most unreasonable thing at times that does not make sense? Maybe you've got, by the way, tithing, by the way, is not some kind of fire insurance that if you start tithing or giving, that he's going to correct your mismanagement. If you have a poor problem with managing your money, tithing does not save that. If you're mismanaging, overspending, and you're not really uh, being a wise steward with the money you have, even though you're tithing, God's not going to pull you out of that ditch. God's also given you wisdom and you need to manage your money. But there's going to be times where he asks you to give. And that's what it's all about. It's about encounter. It's about promotion. And it's about you experience a gift. Giving. I now realize that giving. When God asks me to give, it's a gift to me. It's a gift. It's not an obligation. Everyone say this with me. Giving is not an obligation. It's an opportunity. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? Let's stand to our feet. Amen. God has some great things ahead. Amen? I believe God's going to bring some wisdom. He's going to bring understanding. He's going to bring some promotion. Now, some of us will wrestle with this truth. You might be like the widow of Zarephath. I'm just going to eat what I have and I'm going to die. I'm going into poverty and in debt. No, God's going to break that when you trust him. I'm not kidding you, folks. God honors his word. In fact, do you know that the commandment to give is the only commandment in the Bible where God actually tells his people, test me. See if I will not open. I want you to test me on this up on this commandment. It's the only one in the Bible where he says to do that. Test me. Now I'm going to talk to you about how to give and some other things next week. How many of you getting anything out of this today? Okay. It's a mystery that doesn't have to stay hidden. And the way you begin, the Bible says, love it. Second Corinthians says, it says there's a veil over the eyes of the Israelites, but it says when they 
turn to the Lord, the veil is lifted. You want to experience revelation? So when you turn to the Lord in faith, he begins to open your eyes to the hidden mysteries. And you know what? It's an exciting journey. It's an awesome journey. He wants to break. By the way, let me tell you, poverty is not strictly tied down to what's in your pocket. But I know people, I've known people that's been millionaires that have a poverty mindset. Poverty is living in a particular dimension or idea that I've got to do this myself. It's all about me. That's a poverty mindset. You're not trusting the Lord that way. I want everybody to bow your heads. Maybe this morning you say, Pastor Ray, I know God wants to bring an expansion and a release. He wants me to come into a greater obedience in this area. I love Jesus. I know you do. I know you're born again. I know you love Jesus. But if in your heart this morning you can say, you know, I know that I need, it might not be tithing, but maybe it's an area of really learning to trust and surrender things to the Lord. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Okay, see your hand. Anyone else? Okay, see your hands. Lord, we thank you for these hands. We thank you for your people. Lord, you've come even this morning to break the spirit of fear and the spirit of poverty and even the spirit of control, the need to control. Father, I ask you right now, Lord, that you would reveal the hidden mystery. Lord, this morning we make an exchange to trust in you instead of trusting in our wisdom that is coming to nothing. Lord, help me to trust in things that are actually not reasonable. When it comes to your word, Lord, I want to trust you. I want to believe you. But Lord, I can't do that until I come to know you. Our father is a giving God. He's not a taker. He doesn't come to take anything from you. He comes to give you pressed down, shaken together, and running out all over. Do you believe that? Amen. Everyone lift your hands. Let everyone lift your hands. Father, we surrender. We thank you this morning. We thank you, Father, that first of all, for God so loved the world that he gave. You gave your best so that we could have life and that more abundantly. Lord, we want to walk in the obedience to your will so we will be free. No longer money mastering us, but we can master money and we can master our lives because we trust you. Our lives are in your hand. And everyone said, turn to someone, give them a hug this morning. Amen. Don't-